Welcome to the uh, Epicenter West LA podcast. As always, I'm Jamal here with Pastor Lawrence. How you doing, Pastor? I'm doing well. Looking forward to jumping into our next topic here. Absolutely. Um, I think today we're going to discuss uh, a little bit more about calling uh, and being called to love and serve in LA. Um, I think something you know powerful that that you were uh, ministering about was how calling uh, supersedes us. It's, it's mm. not just about us. You know, our dreams are about us, but our calling is about something greater. Our calling yeah. is often about service, right? Yeah. Service for God. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to expound just a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think it's helpful. I think everybody wants to have an impact in their lives. And so um, we're all trying to figure out what that looks like. But the, the most purposeful part of our lives is not what we get out of it or what we're getting ourselves. Like you can be rich, you can have, you know, uh, a mansion, whatever that is. But I think if you're not contributing to something, mm-hmm. you kind of feel empty. And so part of calling is it's always about others. And as Christians, it's not just about serving others. It's about what is what is God's vision for my life and do they align? That's probably the hardest part, right? And I think part of our faith is that wrestle with, okay, God, there's things that you've put in me that are both by design or by my upbringing. There's ways that I've developed passions. There's innate giftings or skills in me. There's things that I experience. So I'm trying to figure out in my in society mm-hmm. what's the right fit for me and how I serve people right. as well as live out those skills. But there's this other component, which is um, am I doing am I doing the very thing that you know you've you've made me for God and mm-hmm. and that supersedes even my personal passions because what happens is it's trusting that God knows ultimately what uh, the best way to utilize us or what's actually going to give us life versus what we can envision for ourselves. I, I always say like no matter how big your your dream is or what you think your dream is, it's never as big as God's dream. Amen. And 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 that's just it's just abstract you, you can't understand yeah. that until you're there and you're like well I would have never mm-hmm. imagined this for myself right thought this for myself or probably even chosen this for myself right except for God sure and I know that uh, you have kind of and there is a, a vision and a calling uh, for the church you know and our members um, you know in terms of making epicenter uh, kind of an urban center mm-hmm. um, somewhere that disciples and, and that serves you know the greater Los Angeles when you know, historically, it's always been often, uh, or it's been easier for Christians maybe to go to suburbia, right, to where they can yeah. they can congregate, to where life is sometimes more family oriented, right? right, more suits our values. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how LA is really a place that needs us and, and needs and needs Jesus. Can you speak to that? Yeah, one of the interesting things that's happening in our day is a, you know, a re-entry, if you will, to um, urban cities from Christians. I mean. It's obviously a place of opportunity. So if you're young, 20s and 30s, even 40s, you're looking at urban centers because they provide opportunities for you. San Francisco was that. The tech giants came in and right. changed a lot of the scenery. I, I think that's true for Seattle and some sure. version in oh, yeah. New York, Boston, Chicago. Um, it's true for Los Angeles. Los Angeles is still a destination where people are looking for opportunities. So you're seeing, obviously, everyone's moving to these urban cities but I think Christians are moving to cities once again, and it is a new wave because this wasn't the case decades ago. Mm-hmm. People would move out of the urban cities right. because the urban cities was congested. It was, you know, um, expensive, obviously. Mm-hmm. It was crowded. 
But when you have those things, you also have more crime. You have diversity, which I think is positive, but then it also brings diversity, you know, right. of just multiple things people are not used to or comfortable. And so even for the churches, I think multiple factors to be able to afford land, Mm-hmm. to afford a building, sure. and you know that I don't think church is a building, but churches often do think of buildings. They're more affordable in suburbia or rural places. Right. You can also just build greater community there right. in suburbia. And again, it's just you know more conducive for family life, and I think people prefer wholesome family values. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the things is we can confuse Christianity for wholesome family values, that they're one and the same. And um, it's just helpful to make the distinction. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hope that following Jesus means that we're living, right. you know, wholesome family, kingdom value lives, but um, it doesn't mean that we always choose what's just going to be best for wholesome families, right? Because at the center of our decision-making in the New Testament is they wanted the gospel to, to, um, to catalyze, to break out, and to reach people. And so... You know, the way the Apostle Paul shared the gospel is he went to these urban centers. Uh, Jesus himself said in Acts 1.8, once you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, bring the gospel first to Jerusalem, major urban center, mm-hmm. and then out to Judea and Samaria. And so Paul actually embraced that calling. From Jerusalem, he started going to these different urban centers like Corinth, Ephesus, um, the list goes on, Right. A lot of the epistles are churches that he started in these urban areas or right outside these urban areas because of his ministry, and it's actually how the gospel spread the way it spread. In other words, if Paul started in suburbia or started in rural towns, Mm -hmm. it would not have reached—I don't think that you and I would be here today in the United States of America as Christians. Sure. That only happened because Paul invested in these large urban centers, um, and because he did so, the gospel took root, and then it— filtered out to suburbia in, mm-hmm. in rural places. So it's actually really important for Christians to recognize that the gospel needs to get back in these urban centers, and we're seeing it happen today. Um, when we planted our church in 2013, I was very aware that God was sending church plant after church plant after church plant into Los Angeles. And I mean every kind of church plant, from you know an inner-city church plant to— um, you know, even more rural places of Los Angeles, just anywhere, right? Just saturation of church plants in LA. And, you know, as a church planner, you can wonder, what what's happening? There's kind of this interesting movement. Like mm-hmm. we planted and then I'm here, I met this other church planner. There's all these church plants coming in. It, you can feel threatened by it. I, we're, we're not, but it just felt like God's doing something in LA that is unprecedented. He's sending... Um, He's sending evangelists. He's sending apostolic people, entrepreneurs. He's sending church plants back into the urban cities because it's been missing for decades to uh, recapture something that's been missed in our faith for a long time. You know, when we talk about uh, you know living kind of in an urban area and the the challenges that that may have in contrast to suburbia, uh, I think about kind of the verse in Mark, you know, where Jesus was said that you know it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. It's good. I've come to call the righteous, not called come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Mm-hmm. And I think you know sometimes as Christians we have to train ourselves to realize that that's what discipleship is. We yeah. should be running towards what's needed and not necessarily towards what's just comfortable. Right, I mean, it's that analogy of um, we should run toward the fire. Right, right. You right. know, the the people who respond to those crises are 
our people run toward the fire, not away. Mm-hmm. And and I do think that is the call of Christianity, but we've forgotten. Mm-hmm. We um we uh, you know we confuse our faith um and put it on top of comfort. I mean, that's a big thing in America is we just desire comfort, right. you know, and we want to build comfort, slap Christian on top of it. I want mm-hmm. Christian comfort. Right, right, right. And realizing our faith really doesn't call us to what is most comfortable, sure. but it calls us to what's most worthy. Sure. And uh, my, my biggest thing for talking about Los Angeles isn't that people would follow, you know, my vision for the church, but they would just realize in the larger scheme of things, to invest in an urban city is a worthy pursuit not because we want to see LA change per se. Mm-hmm. That's a good strategy. Right. You know, like if you want humanity to have a better life, invest in urban centers because the most people will benefit. Um, but I think also just from a, a missional standpoint, um, God is worth it. God is worth to see the change in a city because it does impact so many people. Mm-hmm. And because culture is going to break out from LA to the rest of the world, it's this picture of we are. Um, raising the the banner high for Jesus in LA. And so, yeah, in some ways to be here and maybe consider, you know, loving LA, living here and leaving a legacy for LA, not just as a nice um strategy, but as I'm I'm this is my my worship to God. Mm-hmm. J- Jesus is worth it. And I think when we when we put it in those terms, it gives meaning to our lives. Like, oh man, but it's so hard to live her. Right. It totally is, but Jesus is worth it. Right. Not because your church is cool. Not because you're you like your pastor or don't like your pastor. It's because Jesus is worth it. Oh, but you know, I could get a you know a house in somewhere else for two hundred thousand dollars. You absolutely could. Right. But we're doing it because Jesus is worth it. Right. <laughs> don't remind me, Pastor Lawrence. No. I know, <laughs> but I mean, I think that language is super helpful because no. I mean, let's just be real. I mean, I'm here with my wife. You know, we've we're a single income family of six. I've got four kids. I qualify. <laughs> I qualified for medical, right? Which there comes with some benefits. All my kids get medical, but you know, I think I think on the outside it's like, dang, our pastor qualified for medical. That that's gotta suck in some ways. But we're living in West LA, one of the most expensive places in California, probably in the nation. Um, I would not do it were it not for the call of God, right? And I don't think I'm the only one called to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just a pastoral call. It's just a personal call. And so we're putting out the call for our church to, number one, learn to love L.A. Not love L.A. for the commodities. And there are great things to love about L.A., the beaches, the weather, the food, the diversity. There's so many things, right? But not to, not even to complain about it. Oh, yes, but the traffic. Right. There's one phrase you need to say, the 405. Yeah, we know. <laughs> we know. But you love L.A. because God loves LA. When God looks at the city, he sees something different. He sees um, people who don't know him. He sees the potential of a city to impact society and culture. And so we want to learn to use this terminology to almost become like missionaries for a city. Um, When you go overseas, if you've ever been overseas to to share Jesus with somebody, um, you know, I've been to different places and parts of Asia, parts of Africa, and it's different. Mm-hmm. You know, when I went to Asia, like the thing I hated the most was it was 100 degrees and 100% humidity. I mean, Yeesh. why would I want to do that? Well, I do that because right. we want to love people for Jesus. So we don't we don't constantly think about the weather. It's just part of the call, right? right? So in LA, it's part of the call that you're going to get the congestion. It's part of the call that your daily commute is going to be a little longer. Right. And you, you find joy in it 
because it's about a larger story that Jesus is worth it. So learning to love L.A. for that calling. Secondly, that if God is calling us to invest in a city, it's calling people to choose to live in L.A., which, again, comes with sacrifices. Yes. Financial sacrifices, uh, space sacrifices, um, because it's all worthy for God in his kingdom. Absolutely. In order to reach people and to make an impact, you have to live there. Uh, God sent his son. I love that as we're getting closer to Christmas, Emmanuel meant God with us. So God did not minister to us remotely. Mm -hmm. He lived. He literally dwelled among us. So he became a resident missionary, Mm -hmm. if you will. So we're living out uh, what we call incarnational ministry, which just means God in flesh, be in flesh in L.A. In order to change a city, love a city, you've got to live in it. And then the final call that we're asking people to consider is leave a legacy in L.A. So let your legacy be changing a city that it would be more gospel-centered tomorrow than you left it today. And um, that's a huge call. I think it's a bold call. Yeah. You know, but I think it's helpful to know that in order to see change, you're not going to see it in three years. Mm -hmm. You're not going to see it in five years. It only happens in a lifetime. And... I think it's a worthy call to pass on to our kids as well, that we've left a legacy for this city. You're going to leave a legacy somewhere, but the greatest legacy are those that you've invested in consistently for the long haul. Uh, Eugene Peterson has has this uh, book called um, uh, Long Obedience in the Same Direction. It's the same thing. It's one direction. It's leaving a legacy for the gospel in Los Angeles for a lifetime. Long obedience, because that's what brings change. I like it. Um, I love, you know, that you mentioned a lot of the challenges in living here because that's that seems to be such a big part of LA culture almost is is our we commiserate about the challenges of living here, right? Whether it be traffic or space or expense. You know, I'm from Seattle and everyone knows that it rains a ton in Seattle, but the people who complain about it most, <laughs> the people who complain about it most are the people who don't live there. Actually, when you live there, you kind of— I was, ex- I was one acceptance. of those complainers when I visited 100%, Seattle. 100%. Yeah. When you live there, there's an acceptance. And in fact, when the sun comes out, no one's inside because everyone, yeah. every, you know, everyone savors that moment, right? It's just part of living there. But We're the opposite. When the rain comes out, people savor that moment. But right. also, it's a frenzy because people don't know how to drive here. At all. At <laughs> all. Uh, but no, I think there is something to L.A. Maybe it's kind of a jaded thing, but we— and we all come from different places. I think that's part of it too, right? right? Is, is that so many people- The are, transplant. Exactly. The transplant yeah. um, culture um, is that we have a lot to complain about, but there's also within that, as you said, uh, a lot to uh, savor, you know, and, and there's a lot of work that, that can right. be done. So I think one of the things I've realized about Los Angeles, because, you, you know, we talk about traffic, you know, it, it is funny at times, but it's real. I think aside from it just being a challenge, I think there is a stress it puts on us. Oh, yeah. I think oh, it yeah. does have an emotional toll, mm-hmm. but I think there are certain uh, pressures in LA that many people don't face elsewhere. From the traffic's one of them. Um, thank God the weather helps us. Um, I think also I've talked about Los Angeles being a kind of a disjointed or fragmented city. So, you know, if you go to another city, for whatever reason, you may feel just more connected with people. 100%. In LA, you, you feel disconnected all the time. Yes. And it's obviously not just because of geography. I think that's part of it. Part of it's vast, yeah. Yeah, but I think it's the the culture. When you come to L.A., you kind of want to just get going, right? Mm-hmm. So you're looking at relationships almost as commodities. Mm-hmm. What do you bring to the table? Right. Because basically we're, we're sizing people up. Are you worth my time? Sure. And so we, we, we are searching for friendship, mm-hmm. but I think friendship uh, and connection with people 
often gets on the back burner. We're looking for opportunity. Mm -hmm. And by the time we realize we need a connection, it's too late. And so there's all these, I think, mental and emotional factors that start to, um, you know, just rub away at people's hearts. Traffic being one of them, you know, confined living spaces, the parking issue. I'm, I'm not finding connection and friendship. Um, oh, something may materialize for my career. That's cool. Right. But like there are all these other things that are actually meant to be life-giving that we're not experiencing. And so... I think one of the things as we're calling people to this bold call, mm-hmm. I'm also saying that I'm I'm holding myself accountable to learn how can we as a church pursue the other things. Like, sure, I can't change traffic, but how do we provide um, places of refreshing to counter some of those negative emotional things you come across? Because I think as, as if we don't figure that out, we can have a bold call, but we're not supporting people and actually how to do that, mm-hmm. right? It's not just how do you change LA and make an impact. It's also how do I help people thrive and last for the long haul? Not just last, you know, to just like, oh, I got through another year, but to actually be over, you know, like uh, I'm an overcomer. Mm-hmm. I, I know how to live in the city and not let it crush me. I know how to live in the city and I've got rhythms that work for me. Right. I know how to say no to people and things. Uh, I'm receiving life. I know how to pursue God. I'm worshiping. I'm getting, you know, I've got really great community connections. I think these are the things that it's helpful for people to know, like we're we're trying to figure out the, the larger animal, which is not just like, how do we go after the gospel in LA? That's big in itself, but how do we help people thrive so they're actually able to do it? That's a that's a big thing that we're we're thinking about. And what would be your word to someone who's kind of seeking those answers on whether they're they are indeed called to be here, or yeah. uh, who who feels as though they are called to be here, but they're struggling with the obstacles that come with with living right. here. So, I mean, I think my um, you know words of wisdom or advice is not going to be that different from other things. Is first and foremost, is a part of your discernment process. So, don't let the little things drive your decisions. Don't let the money drive your decisions. Don't let the traffic drive your decisions. Don't let even opportunities drive your decisions. The, the first and foremost is like, is is this a challenge or call of God that Jesus is asking you to consider? That's that's really the starting place, right? You may have a job offer in Arizona. You may have a job offer in New York. That's great. Bring it before the Lord. Are you processing with him? Well, you know, my pastor, my church is asking me to consider love, live, and leave a legacy here. Are you running that through your grid? Are you asking God, okay, what do I do with that? I think that's the starting place. And what is God speaking to you? And, you know, it's, it's for some people, it's not going to be a good feeling like, oh, you know, I really wanted to leave and I feel like the Lord calling me to stay, but that's the first step. And if he is calling you to stay, I think the second question then, and this is where we get into the practicals is, how do I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I want people to understand is that they do have, they do have, a sense of power and control over things. You may have limited power when you're younger, um, but there are stories that I want more people to hear of 30-somethings, even 20-somethings, who said no to certain things in their job. And um, either from the favor of the Lord or just some you know, some opening or relational trust, um, you know, they got it. Right. They were okay with that, and it didn't hurt them in the long run. Um, it's because everyone's trying to hustle and people feel like they have to play the game. And I think knowing that you have some control over it, um, prayer does make a difference, right? Not not literally because prayer makes a difference, because God makes a difference. Right. So when we approach him, 
uh, we can again be bold about it and um, believe for what God can do. So there's there's some control. There's also control over our schedule. Mm-hmm. There's control over what we say yes to, what we say no to. There's control over um, the investments we make. I, I think realizing that relationships do matter, not just in, not just networking relationships, but if you want to see friendships, you know you've got to go out with people. You've got to say yes, and even when you come home and you're tired, you just you kind of have to your your body has to make you go, even though internally you just want to <laughs> stay at home. So you just got to make better decisions. Right. I think um, I'm not going to chalk it up to just all those things, but to, to know that we have some control over how we thrive and how to make life happen here. It's you know it's like when you graduate college and you're like, what now? It's just a big open world, and we hear this this cliche term. It's it's what you make of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's true for LA. Sure, there are more pressures. But to recognize them, there are pressures that you can say yes to or no to. Right. If there's something you really can't control, to maybe that's just seasonal, and then look for ways to change that. But um, I think it's important for people to understand that we can make decisions, and it's actually important to make those decisions um, from the forefront, not like after three years we've been run over, and then now we're realizing I've got nothing left in the gas tank. Okay. That's what I'm trying to help people do from the, from the get-go. Like, let's assess all the stuff going on right now. Right. Let's set you up well. Because if you wait three years and you're toast, for sure you don't want to stay here. Exactly. And for sure you don't have anything left in the tank. And now we're doing, right, in medical terms, now we're doing treatment versus we want to do preventative care. Mm-hmm. We want to set you up for the long haul, have you thrive, help you be on top, not on the bottom. I like it. Well, uh, L.A. is certainly a special place, and God is moving here. And uh, we, we pray that... Uh, if you feel called to be here, and, and there's a reason certainly for you being here, that he will reveal it for you and, and make a way. Uh, thanks for joining us once again, and we'll see you next time.